It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, I'm so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, man. Anything's possible. Rainy days, jump shot, fade away. It's the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night about it. A real C's fan wouldn't want to live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we gotta make it. Best squad in the East and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You could tell them other guys to go and plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales Packard and J. King Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear Well-respected in a city like Russell's career It's raining Jays Millie's With the Rain and Jays, your daily Celtics podcast. I am your host, Samuel Jamison Packer the Third, aka Ladies Love Cool Jam, aka Young Baby Jamwich. And they tried <laughs> to keep me down for a week. Uh, I, ha- I, w- I haven't been on the airwaves when I'm back, baby. And the Celtics have swept the Indiana Pacers. And to talk about it with me from the Athletic. Jay King. So before we, we dive into the series, what we're going to talk about... We're Just gonna give an out electric our, start, by the way. Oh, thank you. Thank you. We're going to give out our... Uh, it's a Taco Tuesday. This is the Tuesday podcast. We're going to give out our tacos for the series. We're going to talk about the electric Jay King Jam Packer basketball game that is going to happen at some point this week. But before we do all those things, we got to... Uh, I have one main question for you, Jay. What What's the that? hell did we learn from that series? Okay, that, that's that's a good place to start. I like that. Uh, we learned that the opening night starters can ride again. And Erotic City's back, baby. <laughs> I think that's the most important part, right? Like from from a standpoint of things that could matter. One, Gordon Hayward was good. They leaned on him in the fourth quarter of Game Four, and he was fantastic. His power, his strength, continues to progress. And two, those the moments when they played the opening night starters, they were really, really good. And it was kind of like how everybody thought they would be at the beginning of the season with Kyrie drawing so much attention and other guys just crushing their matchups because they were forced into closeouts and Tatum going to the hoop instead of pulling up for tons of mid-range jumpers and Hayward making a big difference at both ends of the court and Horford kicking butt when he wasn't going four for 19 and even when he was four for 19 helping out so Jalen Brown making an impact and glad to kind of return to his defensive self Terry Rozier playoff Terry Rozier doesn't have the points but he still had a, a positive like there's a lot of things to take away from the Celtics sweep uh, that were were great and like with this Celtics team and how inconsistent they've been like you it would not have been shocked if they like lost one of those games uh in Indiana, like a game that they didn't necessarily need to win, but they took care of business. It's great to see them win in game four when Kyrie and Al are not um, firing at all cylinders. But like the biggest thing I have in my back of my head is 
Is it just that the Indiana Pacers are a dog shit team? Like they were really not good. Like Tyreek Evans was their best player in that series. They're definitely not very good. (laughs) Offensively, at least they're not very good. Defensively, they're big, they're physical, they can get after you. But yeah, offensively, certainly not very good. However, Celtics haven't won four straight games since before the All-Star break. So to sweep the way they did it, I think was impressive. It was it was a mature series victory. So they, they fell behind sometimes. They were down double digits twice. They trailed in the fourth quarter of every game. And they just kind of did enough. Their defense was great. They rebounded the heck out of the basketball. They defended like, yes, the Pacers don't have Victor Oladipo. But the Celtics gave them nothing. And... So they, they did what they were supposed to do. And I don't know what it means moving forward for a Bucks. The Bucks series is going to be a very, very different series, obviously. But Oh, I don't know, after, sir. The Pistons after, are making a comeback. After the rocky, rocky, rocky regular season, to have just a mature, normal first-round win, I think it is a big deal for the Celtics and shows progress. Okay, I'm going to try to not talk about the Bucks as much just because that series is not going to start until next weekend. That means we have three episodes after this one to preview the Bucks. So we're really going to try to focus on the Pacers. But what do you think is the best, the biggest takeaway uh, coming out of this series for the Celtics? Is it, it, you, I think you went with Erotic City. Is it, is it Erotic City or is it just the fact that Gordon Hayward is, is competent and aggressive? And Kyrie and Al can kick ass. <laughs> and, and that's, like what, even when the Celtics went through a lot of stuff, the what held up for them was what the optimistic side of it was always Kyrie and Al will give teams fits. And now Hayward's progressing and now Tatum's going to the hoop and now Jalen seems to be locked in and focused on defending first. And Terry Rozier was like Mr. Mr. Winning plays during the first round. So it was there were a lot of positive signs for the Celtics. They're gonna have to be a lot better against Milwaukee. They won't get away with some of the offensive droughts they had. They will need to Well that that gets to my second question is what's the biggest, I guess, concern coming out of that Pacers series? Because I think you're right. It's the it feels like the scoring droughts. There's still there's still times where the offense just doesn't look good. And they like they go minutes without scoring, and they're not going to be playing a, a, an offensively inept team like the Milwaukee Bucks. And they scored seventy-seven point three points per hundred possessions when Al Horford was off the court. So yikes. basketball without Al Horford is still a tough, tough thing to do for them. So they're, they're going to need they're going to need to change that. They're going to need to to fix a lot of things. Horford's going to have to have a monster series against Milwaukee because of the way they defend the three-point arc. I, I thought one thing I, I didn't think they always handled well, and there was a one game when Kyrie went bonkers and kind of mutilated Pacers switches. I think the Celtics can get stagnant against switches at times, and I think that's been one of their issues all season. They're not a great isolation team, even though they seem to think they are. Um, so that that was one issue. The and Bucks, the Bucks feel like a pretty switch-heavy like team with a lot of length. Although that could if, be a problem for them. When Lopez is out there, they're not switching Lopez. And if they do, I think they'll probably get roasted for it. So it'll, it, I'm fascinated by that series. I, I think the Horford-Lopez matchup is 
has been a matchup I've been looking forward to all season. I'm, I'm, I'm excited we'll get to see that one in the playoffs. All right, here's a, a cockamamie theory that I uh, heard Bill Simmons talking about uh, on his podcast. Do you think the Celtics' success in this series uh, is at all related to being down a player, being down Marcus Smart, and kind of uh, having more of a fixed rotation where it's just eight guys who know what their roles are going to be and like kind of having more comfort in just knowing like what that is, which is having eight guys. Do you think that was all, they all benefited from that? Uh, I mean, it, it's hard to say. Is it because Marcus Smart isn't there? Is it because the playoffs arrived and the Celtics knew there was a sense of urgency? And I don't know. So it, it's hard for me to say with any sense of, of assuredness that that's right or wrong. I I think in some ways the the hierarchy seemed to make more sense once the playoffs arrived. Like Kyrie, big dose of Kyrie. Horford, big dose of Horford. Tatum, get him where you can get him. If you have a, a mismatch, if the team's not defending you right, go to the damn hoop, shoot threes, and then Hayward to make plays. And And Hayward... I think his emergence is a huge deal. It's a huge deal. One, because he can push push Kyrie off the ball. He can get in the paint. He's the one damn guy on the team who can draw free throws regularly when he's right. And two, he's good defensively. And if if they do advance, obviously they have advanced, but if they, they'll go from Giannis to maybe Kawhi, maybe Ben Simmons, they'll need wings with size. And Hayward's there ready for what I think is a bigger role. I, I think they'll need to up his minutes against the Bucks. I think I think you need to play him. I think you need to play Al Horford at center. I think that's going to be a series where shooting and speed and size on the wing is all really important. Well, let's have that before we go to the break. Let's have that quick discussion about what the new starting lineup is. I saw you tweeting about this. Obviously, you're not going to start Aaron Baines against the Bucs because you want that Horford-Brooke uh, Lopez matchup. Uh, who do you think fills in uh, for Baines? It sounds like you're leaning uh, Gordon Hayward. First of all, I do think Baines will come off the bench in that series. Um, well, he still, he still has to play a little bit, he's, but he's only going to play like, what, 12, 15 minutes a game? Well, I w- yeah, but yeah, I, I think Al Horford at center is a must against Brooke Lopez. And I think you need size to replace. So it's either Hayward or, or Marcus Morris, probably, I guess you could say. Shemmy, no, there's but... no way they can go back to move. Now, John Corrales is going to be a hype in the starts Shemmy train and he was doing it all last series. I just don't think it makes, it makes that much sense when you have a guy like Gordon Hayward. Exactly. That that's damn it. Packard, you took the point <laughs> out of my mouth. <laughs> oh, it's, let's start this guy. Who's uh very strong, but not very good. Or let's start this max all-star player. Who's also very strong. Also very strong. Yeah, you don't think it, like, messes up, like, the the rotations or, like, Hayward being – because Hayward kind of found a nice role of being, like, the primary ball handler when Kyrie's out on the court. But Yeah, but the Celtics I don't think that matters. Like – They destroyed people when Hayward, Kyrie, and Horford shared the court in the first series. And obviously it's going to be a different series. Obviously you're going to want to run a lot through Kyrie and Horford. But to me – if Hayward, it's just, it's not time to overthink it. Hayward has proven that 
He's one of the Celtics' best players. He has the size they need. He's he's got he could play against Giannis if they need him to. I I kind of love the sticking him on Lopez and seeing how the Bucks adapt. Would the Bucks go to post ups, which they've tried to avoid all season? Ooh. Would they would they punish him on on the block? Lopez like for his size, he's not a great offensive rebounder. Not a great rebounder. That to- feels like it totally changes. It- Everything the Bucks want to do if they're just playing through Brooke Lopez on the post. Yeah, so I I, I kind of like that, and I, I was watching some some of the the film of the old Celtics Bucks games from this season, and one of the games it was the quirky game that ended up with a Celtics team meeting. So obviously things didn't go a hundred percent well, but Horford was out, Marcus Morris was out, and the Celtics started Shemi at the five and Hayward at the four. And Hayward was guarding Lopez. And Shemi was guarding Giannis. And the Celtics got off to a lightning 10-1 start and used their speed. And Shemi got, Shemi got, he drove by Lopez on a closeout. He spotted up for a three over Lopez. And so I don't know whether you can get away with that for a full series. I do think it's something we'll see, at least in spurts. I don't know if Celtics will start that way with Hayward on, on, on Lopez. But it's, it's an interesting wrinkle if the Celtics do play it. That's I'm fascinated by this matchup. The the Pacers series was so boring. It was not great. Um, but the Erotic City lineup is back, folks, and that's what's important. We are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, um, because we still have to, and it's a Taco Tuesday, we're going to hand out our tacos for the Pacers series, but I'm going to add a nice little wrinkle to make it more interesting. So tune into that after the break. Ooh. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked on NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Here we go! John Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA Network of Podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA Podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back here on the Locked On Celtics podcast. And we're handing out, it is a Taco Tuesday. And Jason Tatum, if you guys didn't see, he celebrated this sweep by throwing like four and a half bags of Kraft cheese on some tacos. 
He ate some tacos. So we're handing out tacos in honor of Jason Tatum, Taco J. Now, normally we hand out tacos to the most deserving players. Um, but it feels like with a four-game sweep, there's going to be a lot of, of different guys who kind of stepped up. You could give tacos. I mean, if John was on here, you'd give tacos to pretty much anyone who played a game. John's very free with tacos. I think it's the playoffs. We've got to limit this. I'm a stingy taco giver. Yeah, well, we need to be stingy, one, to make this segment a lot more interesting. And two, it's the playoffs. You can't it, – these are playoff tacos. You can't just get it for, for playing your role. You have to play above your role. And so I'm saying only three tacos okay. uh, are given out. Uh, so it's like the top three stars in hockey who are – and it's kind of a, a – I mean, we know it's going to be Kyrie and Al for the top two. So I'm going to say I'm going to take them off the board. They're already automatically got tacos. I'm Ooh. changing the rules on, on the fly, as you can see. We got I'm going to say I got wrinkles for days. I'm like an old person. Um, only two tacos. Kyrie and Al are obviously there. They're obviously they're, they're bread and butter. They're fantastic. They get the tacos. But who are your two guys who stepped up in the series and deserve to join them on that taco train? Tatum. Tatum, number one. because. Give me your case. Everything the Celtics have wanted from Tatum, he was in the first round. He got to the hoop. He picked up 12 free throw attempts in game four. He shot 50-something percent from the three-point arc. He shot more than 50% from the field. He declined to settle for too many mid-range jump shots. He was exactly what the Celtics wanted to get from him all season. And he was also flying around, guarding guys off screens, Limiting, limiting the the Pacers, granted limited wings, but Tatum, to me, earned that taco like a mug. He was pretty, he was pretty solid on Bogdan, and you're right, the three point shooting, um, and the amount of times he got to the line. I think he earns it. But that being said, I think there there are two other good candidates. So who would be your uh your second? I'm leaning towards Jalen Brown right now. Um, I thought Jalen Brown had a fantastic series despite his low scoring in games uh, one and two game three, he really came out and shot the lights out of the ball. And I thought like provided the offense and much needed spark, uh, especially in that first quarter in game three. Um, but then on the other hand, we have Gordon Hayward. We've been talking all this uh, whole episode about Gordon Hayward. Who do you think is more deserving between the two of those guys? Or do you go wild card Mook scoring 20 points in games one and game four? Yeah, I thought Mook, Mook kind of steadied the Celtics in game one when they needed him to. And then the three he hit in game four was under, it was overlooked because of what Gordon Hayward did after that. But they were up one, they were struggling, and huge shot for them when it happened. So Mook was really good. I, I wouldn't put him. Um, oh, I, I do think he was big. I thought he did a great job on the glass, too. The Celtics, you know what they're rebound rate was without Aaron Baines on the court? I do not. I bet you do. Usually their rebound rate sucks without Aaron Baines on the court. 56.6. And that's against a tough physical Pacers team. They, they just, that's against a team with Thad Young on it. They kicked butt on the glass. They just roasted dudes on the glass. And and Mook, Mook was big on that. You know who doesn't get a taco? Is uh, Thad Young, man. For Thad Young Hive, this was a disappointing series. That guy didn't do shit. Yeah, as as I said, I just wish he was a little better shooter. If he was just a little better shooter, there was one game he started launching, and and that was fun because oh he was the, chucking. Yeah, you 
you could tell coaches were like, "Fat, we need you to just just let it fly, man." And then he missed him, and he was like, "Coach, that ain't me yet. <laughs> the three ain't in me no more." Um, but did we settle on the second taco though? Were you, we, are you giving it to Mook? We have no, no. I I, I declared Mook out of the running. Oh, okay, but we we gave him an honorable mention. So it's between Jalen Brown and uh, Gordon Hayward. Yes, I so. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Hayward because of the narrative. I'm, Ooh, he's I'm a savvy media the, member. The narrative. He is, scored six points in Game Three. How many did Jalen score in Game One and Two? He Boom, averaged four roasted. points a game. Boom, yeah, but Jalen has a better narrative because he's arcing up. No, but to me, a year ago Hayward was literally rehabbing in Indy when the Celtics started the playoffs. Like he was. He was in the same city and working on rehab diligently. And then a year later, he comes back and dominates the fourth quarter of a sweep. That's that's taco worthy. That's fair. The narrative thing, being in the same city, Al Horford saying, let's go, Butler, which doesn't really make any sense, but I'm here for it. Um, all right. I mean, I'll, I'll give it to Gordon Hayward. I do think Jalen Brown deserves some credit, some due for uh, – for just being able to be consistent from three. And, I mean, and, in that pass that Brad won't stop talking about. And, I, yeah, that was a great pass. That was, that was a huge pass for them, too. So, yeah, and, and Jalen, too, he, I think he's accepted that when he's starting, he's not going to get many touches. His usage rate in the first round was 15.5. And he's still staying locked in defensively. When he was out in the fourth quarter of game four, when they, they put Mook in instead, He's over there sweeping on the sidelines, just living it up. So Jalen deserves a taco too, but you put artificial constraints, and uh, we got wrinkles. Yeah, we got, we got wrinkles, bro. More Here's wrinkles. the thing about Jalen: he's not going to get a taco because um, of his miming of uh, a broom. It's clear that he's never swept anything in his life. He just doesn't know how to broom. Well, he hadn't. It was his first sweep. <laughs> That's fair. Al Horford's first sweep too. First sweep on the good side. Kyrie you know, Kyrie Irving has never, <laughs> never lost a first-round playoff game. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. That really is nuts. Like, just it, it he's he's insane. Um, he it's kind of playoffs. He loves the playoffs more than anyone, man. He does. He he will wax poetic about it. He waxes poetic about just the the mental challenge of it. He just lives for it. He lives for it. And and to his to what he's saying. It, it was kind of a, a mental series, and every series is a mental series. But the Pacers tried everything on him. They switched on him, and he roasted switches, especially in, in game two when the Celtics needed it. They doubled him, and he gave the ball up and uh, let other guys do the damage. He, I thought he defended a, at a high level. He was locked in on that end. The one behind the back pass he had late in game four after saving it was silly. He... He didn't shoot well at all in game four, but I, I thought he had a, a really nice series too. And and his the way he handles a game and the way he can help them get a good shot on every possession when when he and Al Horford and to an extent now Hayward are are involved, I think is is a really big deal for them. And and you've you saw it late in games the Celtics just had so many options depending on because of how many good players they have and that's where their depth shows up like 
Bogdanovich, they're, the Pacers are switching, and he's having all sorts of trouble staying with Kyrie. So the Celtics throw a 1-3 pick and roll, and Jason Tatum goes and gets him. And it goes and gets Kyrie. And they either force the switch on Bo- Bogon, or two guys are going toward Kyrie, and Tatum's open. And that's that's how the Celtics helped dig out game two. I, I just thought it was a really smart series that they played, and it was obvious that they just had a lot more options than the Pacers did. Pacers were very limited. Very limited, which is which is again comes back to the question is maybe the Pacers just suck. But I think I like about Kyrie, um, and as a lot has been made about his leadership skills and things like that. I just thought he was uh very solid. I just like the quotes coming out of game three where he was immediately like the hardest what the hardest game is game four. Like he's he comes from LeBron school of flipping the switch and like he, he we talked about him kind of his he loves the intensity of the playoffs, but I don't think it's any like surprise that the kind of the lackadaisical Celtics came in kind of laser focused uh, in this series, and because Kyrie has flipped the switch, and so if he's gonna um, kind of go through all this ups and downs of the regular season just to turn it on the playoffs, then that's all that matters. So he gets a taco. Pretty much, uh, we had constraints, and then we talked about every single player on the roster other than Terry Rozier, who probably is the he, most he deserving of the he most deserving of the taco because he outperformed expectations more than anyone. He he was really good too, and playoff Terry man, it's it's scary Terry now. The guy's just a winner. The guy just um, plays big in big moments, and that's what you, you like to see. Knocks down shots. Tito three sticks for the win. All right, we've we've talked enough about the Pacers series. We're going to talk about a much more serious and a much more important basketball game. That's right, Jam versus Jay coming up after the break, and we're back on. The Locked On Celtics podcast with the reigning Jays. Now, last week or a couple of weeks ago, Jay and I were supposed to play an epic game of one-on-one. There's been a lot of talk over the years. Jay King, this famous college athlete from Western Mass, one of the greatest basketball players the state has ever seen. And me, Jam Packer, the lowly underdog, only five foot six until he was 18 years old, is just an a, a underdog just trying to throw one big punch and knock him out. Uh, but it got rained out, and so that game will happen at some point this week. Jay, I haven't told you this, but we're going to play some point this week because we have a lot of stuff to do uh, until this series actually starts. And so I just wanted to get late, uh, first hear your thoughts on what the games were, but I want to I want to talk ground rules. Like, where uh, what are we playing to? Ones and twos, twos and threes. What's this? Uh, how many games are we playing? Um, so let me hear your threes. thoughts. Uh, what kind of lunatic plays twos and threes in one on one, bro? Uh, that's how you properly apportion uh, the three points to two point uh, ratio, and so there's a the three point shot is uh, one point time, one and a half times the value of the two point shot. I I play in the, in real life where <laughs> give me your rules, bro. One on one is 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 ones and twos, man. All right, what's the game to? The game. Let's play game twenty one. Game twenty one. How many and games? That that long of a game will will favor you because that's what I need. You're you're in better shape than I am. That's fair, but you also grew up playing basketball. I did not. But how confident are you going into this game? I mean, there's no chance I'm losing. <laughs> Literally zero chance. All right. The so o- the the only way I lose is if I like if I if I'm like Blake Griffin and I just my knee just does not allow me to have any lift whatsoever. Okay, so say the listener gods out there wanted to place a wager on the game. What would you say the opening line is? 
Uh, it's like me minus 900,000. <laughs> that doesn't even make sense, bro. Uh, yeah, Give me yeah. a line on the game. How, how, what, what, how many points do you think you, I, I, I would get to make it a fair game? Uh, I think I'm going to win straight out. You're an old man. You got, you got, you got no knees. You've been rehabbing well, for days. Let's give it a three and a half point spread. Three and a half point spread. Ooh, that's spicy. Yeah. All right. I mean, that's going to happen. You guys are going to. Uh, where are we going to play though? Who's going to be the our problem? Who's going to be our bookie? John Corrales is the bookie. Also, <laughs> video coordinator. Also, referee. I might have to throw the game. <laughs> if we, <laughs> Jay King, in on the fix. <laughs> <laughs> Like shoeless Joe Jackson. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, all right. I think we're, we're going to, I'm going to try and play on the blacktops because uh, that will be uh, hurt your old man knees. Um, but it's on like Donkey Kong. I like um, my only strategy is just to be like, um, you're going to be Kevin Durant and I'm going to be Patrick Beverly. Well, yeah. Well, we've seen how that goes. Yeah, but I might get you teed up. Uh, thrown out of fine. game one. <laughs> yeah, if I get ejected, that's another way you might win. <laughs> All right, so everyone, look out, follow Locked On Celtics on Instagram. Uh, John Corrales, hopefully, will be live streaming that. It will be a battle for the ages. I'm the underdog. Everyone should be rooting for me. No one likes the kid. Uh, uh, Jam Packer, Young Baby Jamwich is the pick in that game. Take the points. I would say take me to win if you want to make some real money. Um, this has been a shorter segment than I thought it was going to be. So, Jay. I'm going to ask you for any other observations from the first round of the NBA playoffs. The Bucks still look great. The Raptors and Sixers are taking care of things. Second round of the East is going to be fun as hell, entertaining as a mug. And Golden State's still the best team in the league. Oh, but they, they did give up 31-point lead to the Clippers, and the Rockets are playing... Fantastic basketball right now. Do you think the Rockets have a chance to upset them? I mean, a chance? Sure. Like like Lloyd Christmas had a chance with that married woman in Dumb and Dumber <laughs> named, named Mary Swanson. Ooh, um, nice pull. Yeah, it was almost, I almost said Samsonite. <laughs> <laughs> Mary Samsonite? Well, he was looking at the luggage, right? Wasn't that, that what he, he first thought her name was? Yeah. I don't, yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. And uh, so, yeah, I, th- I think they've they've got the Lloyd Christmas chance. I think the Warriors are playing as good basketball as they've played in the last couple of years. And I think they're ready to shut up everyone who thinks the Rockets have a chance against them. All right. Last question before we go. What did you think about the Ben Simmons, Jared Dudley beef? Oh, give it to me. Feed it to me. <laughs> oh, that is a, that is the greatest beef these eyes have have seen. Since at least Celtics Wizards. That ben was... Simmons is such a punk. Jared Dudley was just like very accurate in what he was saying. He's like, Ben Simmons is an elite tr- player in transition and he's average in uh, half court. And then for like Sixers fans to get on their high horse and be like, oh, Ben Simmons is much better than Jared Dudley. Well, yeah, Jared Dudley would tell you that. Jared Dudley, one of my favorite guys in the league. I just, uh, I love that he got got ejected from that game i love that he, he he was playing the exact savvy vet role shame on the nets for not winning uh game three where mb doesn't play and then a game four where butler gets ejected they really had a chance well, to kind of D- steal that Dudley series got ejected too dudley's a big piece of what they do 
I know, but they they have so many. Like he's not as big as Jimmy Butler. Ah, Jared Dudley, don't, don't don't slander Jared Dudley on my podcast. I, I'm not slandering Jared when, Dudley. When he was taunting Simmons with his arms out wide, I was <laughs> I was in my hotel room in Indy, legitimately screaming by myself, like just just living for the moment. It was one of the greatest things these eyes have seen. When a when a beef pops up. That's so unexpected and so rare. And between like a 12-year journeyman solid player versus a young all-star who like it, it was just fantastic. I've it, it touched all the boxes for me. It was incredible. <laughs> all right. That's that's gonna wrap it up. I'm gonna leave you guys with that image. Jay King alone in a hotel room in Philadelphia. Screaming at the television just because there's some playoff beef between Jared Dudley and Ben Simmons. Thank you guys for listening uh, to this episode of the Locked On Celtics podcast. If you are a listener, please subscribe, rate, review us five stars. You can listen to us on your car stereo. You can be like, hey, Alexa, play podcast Locked On Celtics. There's a Himalaya app you can listen to us on or just anywhere that you get podcasts. However you got podcasts, this podcast, just do that again uh, repeatedly. Give us a five-star review. Uh, We are the daily Celtics podcast. Uh, We are the best Celtics podcast. We got takes for days. We got uh, insight. We have two legitimate newspapermen reporting on the beat. I get the immediate credential for God knows what reason, Uh, but we're fantastic. Please listen, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Lockdown Celtics podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.